told you guys that I had a master's degree or a doctorate degree in you fill in the blank. And I told you that not only do I have a, a master's degree but, or a doctorate, but even though I have those things that I'm still stuck singing my ABCs and my one, two, threes, meaning I never moved beyond those elementary principles. Biggest words that I could spell would be like ball or hall. I could count, like add and subtract, but I never moved beyond those things. Now, because we live in the South where you could like literally spend most of your day opening a door, just waving people in, like, come on, I got the door for you. Like in the South, no one would probably be willing to say, oh, Chris, that really doesn't make any sense. But in your mind, you would be thinking like, there's no way that you could go to school for all of those years and attend all of those classes and yet still be stuck on singing ABC and counting one, two, three. And the reason I share that illustration this morning is because I believe that it actually illustrates my spiritual journey with Jesus pretty early on. Meaning I was showing up to church, I was listening to the sermons and, and seasons went by and then I began to recognize that my spiritual journey, I was pretty much stuck singing ABCs and counting my one, two, threes. One day I was reading through Hebrews five and it talks about moving beyond the elementary principles, leaving the milk and going on to what most would call is the stake of the word. And, that was a moment I was reading it and I realized, I'm like, oh wow, like I've been following Jesus for a while, but I'm rocking a spiritual diaper and I'm drinking from a spiritual baby bottle. And because of that, the Holy Spirit began to put like a discontentment in me. The Holy Spirit began to work a miraculous work in my heart to go, Chris, like I'm not gonna allow you to live one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Like I wanna go call you deeper. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, let's leave the shallow in and let's go deeper together. And here's what's interesting is I began to investigate what it actually meant to go deep with God. I began looking in between the Christmas story and Easter. I began looking in between Christmas and Easter. The, the Christmas story is, is that Jesus, fully God, fully human, comes into the world of humanity so that one day we can move back into his. And the Easter story is that he died on a Friday for our sins and it rose on a Sunday, resurrected conquering sin and death. And as I began to investigate what it looked like in between Christmas and Easter, what I found was that there was this kingdom responsibility that Jesus and his followers continually would come under. And it was this idea that those that follow God are called to bring the ways of the kingdom of God into different places and spaces and into different faces. That the people of God are called to bring the kingdom of heaven, the ways of the kingdom of heaven, everywhere that they go or everywhere that God calls us. And it was so amazing to me as I began to investigate and see that I, I had the realization that it doesn't matter as a follower of Jesus if I'm at a Starbucks or if I'm working a nine to five, if I'm a stay at home mom or I'm watching my little league, uh, my kids at the little league park, that literally everywhere we go, that we have this kingdom responsibility to usher in 
the ways of the kingdom of God. And what's so cool to me is as I began to investigate in between the Christmas story and Easter and look to the life of Jesus, I just began to see that he lived this out everywhere he went. Specifically, I just want to share with you just a snapshot or an Instagram post, if you would, like little 2018 on it. And I hope as I share it that you just begin to go, oh, wow, like this is a kingdom responsibility for those that follow the Lord. Think about a moment in John chapter four where around noon on a random day, the scripture doesn't even give us like, like whether it was a Tuesday or a Saturday. And around noon, Jesus is thirsty and he's hanging out by a well and he runs into a woman who is also thirsty. So she's come to the well. And he begins to have a conversation with her about the ways of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me just kind of make this 2018 so maybe we can all track and, and, and kind of understand what actually is happening in John chapter four. I want you to imagine that you're chilling at your local coffee shop. Now, if you go to barista parlor, a little expensive for me, but maybe you're at the barista parlor. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're at Portland Brew. Maybe you're at Starbucks. And, and Jesus is there and he's waiting in line to get a drink. And the lady in front of him is also there for a drink. And he begins to have a conversation with her about the ways of the kingdom of God. And here's what's so amazing. As he begins to have this conversation with her, and this is something you need to know about the lady. She's been married five times and divorced five times. And the man that she's currently sleeping with is not her husband. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with her about the ways of the kingdom of God. And I, I don't want us to, to miss this. Jesus did not wake up each morning and go, what's on the to-do list today? Oh, around 12 o'clock, I'm going to meet a lady by the well. Peter and James are going to get rocked by it. The Holy Spirit's really going to move. That's not, that's not Jesus. Like literally everywhere Jesus went, he brought in the ways of the kingdom of heaven. And as they begin to have a conversation, here's the depth of her knowledge of God. Like here's the depth, here's a real church word, of her theology. As they begin to have this conversation, she goes, look, listen, I don't know much about God. He seems to be distant. But one day I know that the Messiah is gonna come. And when he does, I guess that's when we'll all find out what God is really like. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with her saying, listen to me, I am the Messiah. He's bringing in the ways of the kingdom of God. And here's what's so powerful about it. Because he's bringing in the ways of the kingdom of God, she goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists that her city ever knew. And this is what happens, church, when we bring in the ways of the kingdom of God, as we look to the text today, you'll find out that the people of this earth start to ask you questions about your life. And so when we look to the text in 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll start reading in verse 8 here in a few moments. I just want to remind our church of the context of actually what we're reading. Peter is writing to Christians who are in a culture, a society, a nation that is anti-Jesus and anti-Christian. And he's writing to them to help them navigate what it means to bring in the ways of God in a culture, a nation, a society, an empire, if you would, that's running in the opposite direction 
of Jesus. Look to the text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. I'm going to read to verse 18. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, you recall so that you may inherit a blessing. Verse 10. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you? If you're eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Now, I know a lot's going on in that text. I'm up here sweating. Somebody bring me a towel. I'm like, whoo. Somebody done turned the heat up in here. I feel like if you just confess it, it makes you feel better. I'm up here sweating. But I'm just assuming that's because the fire of the Lord is here. Who's with me? If you like to take notes, we're going to post up in verse 10 and 11, and then we're going to end in verse 15, and then we'll navigate a conversation of invitation in verse 18. But if you like to take notes, here's three things, three ways that I believe Peter this morning is going to encourage us to begin to bring in the ways of the kingdom of God, not only today, but into our next week. The first one, if you like to take notes, is this idea of speaking life. So speak life. The second is that we need to make a commitment to grow And then the third is that we need to live differently. So first is speak life. Second, commit to grow. Third, we need to live differently. Look back to the text, chapter 3, verse 10. He says, for whoever would love life, I love how the Passion Translation actually puts it. He says, whoever would find true life, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and that's interesting, the truth and the life, and I just... See, whoever wants to find the Jesus life and see good days, he says, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. You know, when I decided that I wanted to be a pastor or a preacher, you know, I went as, uh, you know, they tell you, hey, go do a degree in theology. That's the steps to make it happen. And so I went and did that. And in between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I had the opportunity to have my first church job. I actually got a youth internship in the city of Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Now, if you're there, you're not really missing much. They got like a Burger King and then like an off-brand McDonald's, if that's even possible. I'm just telling you, it's real. I've been there. And I go there, and one of my responsibilities was that each week I had to teach on Wednesday night. And so on one Wednesday night, the students are coming into the, uh, to the classroom, and I'm handing them all pieces of paper, and I got like uh, markers and coloring pencils in the room. And when they walked in, now stick with me, because I promise, as I tell this, you're going to go, man, he was the worst youth pastor ever. Uh, so when they walk in, I say, hey, guys, listen to me. 
I said, tonight you get the night off. I said, tonight I want you to draw someone on that piece of paper, just their face, to the best of your ability, someone who gets on your nerves, somebody you can't stand, somebody at times you wish just wasn't in your life, someone on that piece of paper you wish you could say something mean to, but you can't really do it because you follow Jesus. And the kids didn't even argue. They were like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And because I'm a man, I instantly made it into like a scoring system and I split them into two teams. Now, what you need to know about this story is that in the front of the room, and this is the part where you go, this is kind of evil. I promise it's going somewhere and it's going to bring the kids back to God. But there was a dartboard at the front of the room. Y'all are like, (laughs) oh man, I'm just imagining on the ride home. What did y'all do tonight? Well, we just threw darts at people we didn't like. All right. And so for the next 40 minutes, I split them into two teams and they began to throw darts at these faces. And it was really interesting. They, you know, they got to the point where they're like cheering each other on, like hit them in the face, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, these kids need Jesus. And I'm just praying over them as it happened. But here's what's funny. All of that's taken place. And then with about five minutes left to go, I had them all sit down and I said, Hey, let's turn to this passage. And up behind the dartboard actually had a picture of Jesus. And when I got that picture down, it had holes all in it from where they had been throwing the darts. And that was the moment when I looked around the room that tears were streaming down their face, some of them. Some just put their head down in disbelief of what they had just participated in. And that was the moment where I got to open the Word of God And not only remind my soul, but to remind those students that our words have power. And that what we say about people matters. And that every single person on planet earth is made in the image of God. That was the moment where I got to go, hey, let's be people when we bring in the ways of the kingdom of God that we speak life. You know, you look around this room and all around the world, I'm just going to go and let you know if you don't already know, all of us know what we're not good at. All of us know in this room the places that we need to grow the most. And what I loved about Jesus when I looked to his life is that in a world full of referees, you know what a referee's job is? A referee's job is to blow the whistle and tell you where you messed up. In a world full of referees where we're just, oh, you messed up there and you need to grow there and this is where you're messed up and this is where you're jacked up and that, in a world full of referees, Jesus had a way of speaking life over people and bringing in the ways of the kingdom of God. And when he would do it, he would bring out the gold in their heart and cast vision for their future. Church, have you ever thought about why in the world that that person that you wish every single day when you roll in on Monday would get fired and you're like, dang it, they're still here. You ever wonder why God put them in your life? Is it possible that our all-knowing God looks at their life and goes, this is the best moment that they can see Jesus? And the invitation from Peter today is, will we bring in the ways of the kingdom of God? How can we do it? Well, we can speak life. And so this week, when you're around that person that gets on your nerves and you think their breast stinks and all the other stuff you hate about them, 
Will you take off the referee jersey? Will you become someone who ushers in the ways of the kingdom of God in your speech and begin to speak life and step out in faith? And in a moment, maybe for the first time in that person's life, will you begin to bring out the gold in them? Peter says, listen, don't let evil be on your tongue. Look back to the text. It brings us to the second movement, this idea that we need to commit to growing. Look to verse 11. He says, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. This idea of being peacemakers. But I want to look at that verse 11. They must turn from evil and do good. You know, early on in, in my faith, I shared a little bit at the beginning, just this, this, uh, this idea of like not being content and wanting to go deeper with God. That was a season of life where I began to realize that the purpose of the Holy Spirit, listen to me, that the purpose of the Holy Spirit, now if you go, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is, just let me teach it real quick. When you become a follower of Jesus, you receive the Spirit of Christ. Literally, God makes his home inside of you. Now, that's amazing. Like, just sit on that and talk about that today, like today at lunch. Like, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is inside of you. Another name in the scriptures for that Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's purpose for your life every single day when we get up, guys, is to make us look more like Jesus. Tomorrow, when you wake up on Monday, at the top of the agenda for the Holy Spirit is to use that Monday as another day to help you grow to become more like Christ. And so early on in my faith, the Holy Spirit just began to walk me to places in my life and go, hey, Chris, this doesn't really look like Jesus. And they weren't moments of shame. They were moments of invitation. You know, I think about just one of the funnier moments in my journey with Jesus is, you know, early on, I had a big drug addiction. And so when I knew that I was finally free from drugs and I was finally walking in freedom, I'm just telling you, I walked into church that Sunday and I had like some Ric Flair swag going on, just woo, just ready to worship. I was saying hallelujah to things I didn't even understand. Hallelujah, preach it, Pat. Like, you know, just, 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 you just pumped because you feel free, you feel light. People are like, how you doing? I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> we best friends. He got my back like a freckle. I'm trying to tell y'all. And listen to me, I'm in the middle of worship and I'm free feeling like I'll never sin again. And you know what the Holy Spirit did? Knocked on my heart. It said, Chris, that life, that part of your life now looks like Jesus. Let me walk you to another part of your life. Listen to me, it wasn't a moment of shame, it was a moment of invitation. It was God saying, hey, do you wanna go deeper? Turn from evil and do good. All of life is the Holy Spirit molding every single one of us as followers of Jesus to look more like him. I mean, this is amazing. And yet, I, I confess, this is a TBH. For those that don't know what that means, to be honest moment. God is still growing me. Like, I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived. Right now, specifically, the Holy Spirit is telling me, and my wife can attest to this, you might even hear her shout amen. I'm not very good in traffic. The Holy Spirit is, is really after my heart, letting me know right now, you do not represent Jesus very well in traffic. Hey, there we go, we got one. Testify, right? I've realized that I can literally, even with my wife in the car, be driving down the road, you know, like just Carrie Underwood style. Jesus, take the wheel, just like hands worshiping. 
talking about reckless love, talking about how good God is, Holy Spirit, come on. And the next thing you know, I'm like, look at this dude. Look at him. This guy can't drive. You know, I, you start just trash talking him. And then you, like, he, the person that drives all the way up and tries to cut over, you're looking at him like, you think you're going to get in? Not today, Satan. Not today. Some of y'all acting like I'm the only one. And how many of us, no hands raised this moment with you and the Lord, how many of you have ever been so mad in traffic and then as you drive by, you're about to do the drive down stare, like the drive by, you know, you're going to mug them like, like you are somebody and they've done something really bad to you. And as you're driving by, it just so happens to be that they're twice the age of your grandparents and you're like, oh man, you just feel instantly bad about it. <laughs> That's me right now. That's me. And the Lord is saying, hey, Chris. There's parts of your life that don't look like Jesus. And those ain't moments of shame. They're moments of invitation. It's saying, God, God's saying, let's go deeper. And maybe right now, the Holy Spirit inside of you is tapping on a place in your life. And it's in this moment that the enemy tries to make it a moment of shame. And it's not. It's a moment of invitation. And God is saying, do you want to go deeper? Turn from evil and do good. Look back to the text. We'll start reading in verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It's the idea of having reverence towards Jesus. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. This brings me to my last way that I believe that Peter is trying to teach us that ways that, like, we can bring the ways of the kingdom of heaven into different places and spaces and into the different faces that God's going to put in our path to live differently. Now, I don't want us to miss this. This is actually my favorite part of the text. And I hope and I pray that literally this will be the, 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 the part of the text that absolutely rocks all of us. Look back to the text in verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ. That's, that's this idea, listen to me. That's the idea of having reverence in awe towards Jesus. Now, That's a big deal, but let's take it a step further. He says, having reverence towards Jesus as, listen to me, as Lord. And what does that mean? If we're going to be people that sing songs about him being the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, what this scripture is saying is to have reverence in your heart towards Jesus as Lord. It's this idea of coming under the teachings of God and saying to the best of my ability every single day that I call him Lord, I'm gonna come under these teachings and these teachings in this word allow them to shape my life. This is what it means to have reverence towards Jesus, listen to me, as Lord. And here's what's so powerful about what is implied in this text that when we come under this word and we begin to live differently than the world, this, the, the verse 15 actually implies 
that people in our life will actually start to ask questions about why we live different. Now that's pretty powerful. The scripture is implying if you'll live like Jesus, people will ask about Jesus. Wow. Now, just because I can only speak from personal experience, I'm gonna give you guys just three snapshots of of just personal stories from me. Now, this is what I don't want you to hear as I share these. I don't want you to hear in any shape or like way, I don't want you to hear that I'm the hero in the story. Jesus is the hero. I want you to know that I'm imperfect and that you're imperfect. And guess what we have in common? We desperately need Jesus. We desperately need a savior. And so as I share these stories, I don't want you to hear I'm the hero. I don't want you to hear, oh, Chris is really nailing it because I'm telling you, let's go grab coffee. I can tell you how I'm not killing it. Hang out with my wife. She could probably point out something. Right? Like, it's like, she has a front row seat. I'm not always knocking it out of the park. But I do want to share these stories specifically with this thought in mind, that the word of God can be trusted. That when you live from it, and allow it to shape your life, you will see the fruit of the word of God, that you will see that it is true. And the word of God right here is saying, when you live like Jesus, people will ask about Jesus. You know, three summers ago, I got the pleasure of working the glorious job of being a server at Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, every day you just go in and you're just so full of joy, you get to serve people. Some of you who are a server, I'm just telling you, this is how I would make my money. I've been there like, you know, six months, and when I mess up, I'd be like, I'm new. And then I'd go confess, I just lied. I'm like, Lord, but I need this money. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But while I was there, every single day, I would sit out in my Monte Carlo, and I would be praying. I'd be going, God, use me a sinner to bring in the ways of the kingdom of heaven into Buffalo Wild Wings. Kingdom of God. Bring it, Lord. Come on. Like, I would just pray this prayer. And, and when I started working there, I would go in with the lens of going, God, like, would you just use me? Now, listen to me. When you go in praying, God, would you use me to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in this place? I'm going to tell you what happens. The job that you hate becomes a job that you love because you begin to find purpose greater than yourself. And so I'm going, God, would you just use me? And I begin to just love differently and act differently. And I'm speaking life over people. And specifically, there was a girl that worked there and she was an atheist. And so we would have conversations and she knew I was trying to be a pastor. She knew I was trying to be a church planner. She knew this about me. I wasn't hiding it. What was so interesting is over the months that passed, I was loving on her and I was encouraging her. In moments, I would speak life, try to bring out the gold, if you would. When she would ask me for life advice, like the Holy Spirit gave me the wisdom not to like throw a bunch of scriptures at her, but I would use teachings of Jesus. And then she would come back and be like, oh, that worked. And I'm like, of course it worked. It's Jesus. And one day I'm out on the porch and I'm sweeping. I'm getting ready to go home. And she comes out and she goes, Chris, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, I know, like, what's up? What's going on? And she tells me, she says, she goes, Chris, I, I, I just want to thank you for actually living out what you, what you, what you claim to the best. Like, like, I see you really trying to do it. And she said, makes me want to ask questions about faith. 
Now, I'm just telling you guys, that wasn't a moment I patted myself on the back and was like, I'm killing it. Like, it broke my heart. But it was also a moment where I was reminded that when we live like Jesus, people will ask about Jesus. I think about another moment. I was serving these two young married women who were in town. They were tourists. And all throughout the meal, they were trying to flirt with me. And then at the end of the meal, they both said, hey, why don't you come back when you get off and hang out with us at the hotel? That was a moment where I paused. And then I looked at them both and I said, listen, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I said, not only do I believe that God loves me, but I believe that he loves you guys too. And I said, and I want you to know when you leave here that I'm gonna be praying for both of you. And I'm gonna be praying for your marriage. And I'm gonna be praying that God does something so miraculous in both of your lives. Later that night, around three o'clock in the morning, I get a random Facebook friend request or a Facebook message from one of the girls. And she says, hey, I just want you to know that I'm so thankful for what you said. She said, I've been running from God ever since I was a little girl. And because of what you said, it made me want to know the Jesus that you know. So when I get home tomorrow, I'm going to talk to my husband. I'm going to try to get us in counseling. And I'm going to see if he'll go back to church with me. And that was another moment where I was reminded, guys, that when we live like Jesus, that people in this world will ask about Jesus. I share one last story from working at Buffalo Wild Wings. About two months in, this girl walks in, and she's a brand new server, never served in my life, so I gave her, you know, serving advice when you mess up, just tell them you're brand new, do it your whole life, it'll work. But I just began to pray over her. I'm going, God, I want her to know Jesus. I'm like, kingdom of heaven, bring it to Buffalo Wild Wings. God, use me, use me, use me. And I'm praying this every day while I'm taking wing orders. Like, like you know, it's like back in the kitchen, 12 wings, Lord, bring the heaven over, heaven, earth, heaven, earth. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying over this girl. And come to find out that she has like deep spiritual roots in her family. But she decided that she didn't want to leave a toxic relationship that her parents didn't approve of. She moved out of the house and went to live with this person and hadn't been home in a year and a half. So when opportunities would come, I'd speak life. I loved her. I didn't try to talk about Jesus every conversation. It wasn't like, hey, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? Like, that's not, that wasn't my... My strategy, I just wanted to love her like Christ. And I wanted to live differently. And one day I'm sitting there and I'm trying to put the wings in on an order. And here she comes and her face is just streaming with tears. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And she says, I want to go home. I used to know God the way that you know God. I want to go home. And that was a moment where in that moment, I'm like looking at her and I'm going, man, the Holy Spirit is moving in Buffalo Wild Wings. And, you know, the, our, our manager who knows that, like, I'm, I'm trying to be a pastor, but she hired me anyways, because when God wants to do something, he just puts you in places. And she's looking over there like, not another one, not another one. And I'm like, you know, the Holy Spirit's moving, girl, you know it. And I'm like, these wings, they can wait. And I'm like, let's pray. And I'm just praying over her in Buffalo Wild Wings. 
And that was the moment again where I was reminded when we live like Jesus, people will ask about Jesus. Go ahead and ask Warren to go ahead and come back up. Look with me, if you would, as we come to the close in verse 18. In verse 18, it says, For Christ, that's Jesus, also suffered once for sins. The righteous, that's Jesus, for the unrighteous, that's us. To bring us to God, you and I. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. I call this the great exchange. The fact that you and I, that Jesus took our place. I want you to imagine with me for a moment, just use your imagination, that you're standing in a courtroom. And imagine that in that courtroom, you're standing before the judge. And imagine that the judge looks to you and goes, the verdict is in, you're guilty. And you go, what am I guilty of? He says, you're guilty of sin. You and I, guilty of sin. What's the punishment? The word of God says that it's death. So imagine that you're standing before the judge and the judge looks to you. He says that you're guilty, the verdict is in, you deserve to die. So imagine that you're literally gonna get the electric chair. That you're, like imagine you're literally gonna get lethal injection. Now think about this. Imagine in that moment that Jesus is in the back of the courtroom. And imagine him just lifting his hands and going, hey, hey, listen to me, listen to me. Your honor, if, if it's possible, let me take their place. This is the great exchange. What we deserved, Jesus took upon himself. Following God. He says, follow me and I'll make you. Follow me and I'll change you. Follow me and I'll mold you. Like this is the gospel, to follow Jesus and for him to continually work in the heart of every believer. Now listen to me, when Jesus came, his message wasn't like, why don't you just meet me in the mid? Like that wasn't his message. His message wasn't like, you do half, I'll do the other half. His message wasn't like, hey, you do a little bit, I'll do a little bit, and, and we can kind of, that, that wasn't his message. Like Jesus went the full way for you and I. Like this is the gospel. And so this week we have the opportunity as members of Jesus Christ's body to bring in the ways of the kingdom of God into different places, into different spaces, and in different faces. How are we gonna do that? Well, here's what we can do. We can start today. We can speak life. We can commit to growing. And third, we can decide today that we're gonna live differently because when you live differently, when you live like Jesus, 
the people in our life will start to ask about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that your word can be trusted. I'm so thankful, God, that you don't give up on us, God, that you're the God of second chances, third chances, four chances. I remember Peter, he's like, how much should I forgive? He's like, seven times 77. I'm like, that's a lot. That's just a reflection of your heart. It wasn't about a number. It was just you saying, I love you guys. I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now, that as you're knocking on every heart in here, because every heart in here, none of us are absolutely killing it spiritually. None of us look totally like Jesus. There's parts of our lives that you're knocking on going, hey, 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 like, let me have it. I pray, Lord, that you keep the lies of the enemy away, that those are not moments of shame, but moments of invitation. And I just feel like you're, today you're saying, Ethos Church, do you want to go deeper? Turn from evil and do good. Father, I love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen.